welcome back to another daily walk. Well, today we're going to do a little bit more examination of just a couple verses of scripture here. Uh, these came up in a Bible study I was doing the other day with somebody, and I want to talk about this apparent contradiction in the scripture, what it really means, and what the task of the Christian is, like how we should feel as a believer. So, of course, um, there's this juxtaposition. How should we feel? Should we be this miserable, horrible sinner? Like, I remember the first time, like, I became a Christian, and then um, it was shortly before I moved to a new town to go to graduate school. And uh, so I became a Christian, and, and throughout that summer, I went to church when I wasn't working. Um, and I was, I mean, I was genuinely a believer, really committed to Christ, just didn't necessarily see church as something I just had to go to. And so I go off to, to grad school and I meet a lady who's a Catholic. Now, I'm a new Christian. I don't know what the difference is between a Protestant and a Catholic, whatever else. And so she's like, oh, why don't you come to church with me someday? I'm like, all right, sure, I'll come to church with you. So we go to church and you go into a Catholic church. And if you've never been there, you got the kneeling, you know, you got the, you got the standing, you got the, and then you got the, the echoing things, which all boiled down to I'm a worthless human being. I am, I am just the slime of all of the earth. And then, so I went home that night. I called my mentor on the phone who's, you know, he lives in a different city. I'm like, I'm like, David, I went to church and, um, I, I feel, are you supposed to feel worse when you go? He's like, not really. What church you go to? I said, oh, it was, you know, it's this you know, old whatever Catholic church. He goes, oh, I'm sorry. And then he starts to unfold for me the differences between the Catholic church and the Protestant church and, and the differences in the beliefs. And, and the ultimate point is that Christianity is not to constantly rub in our face how rotten and wretched of sinners we are. Instead, we are to have a sense of joy. So we're going to look at John chapter 17. And uh, we're going to look at um, verse 13, John 17, 13. Uh, but now I come to you, um, but to set some context to this verse before I dive into the verse. Um, this is called the high priestly prayer. This is Jesus praying prior to the, uh, prior to be, to going away to the crucifixion and leaving his disciples behind. He's doing this big prayer. And this big prayer is from uh, pretty much most of the entirety of John 17. But he says, he says one portion here, we're going to focus on just one little portion. He says, but uh, verse 13, but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. Okay, so he prays that they may have joy. And, and this is one of those marks of a Christian, not the only mark for sure, but a Christian feels a tremendous sense of joy in their life. And where this comes from, what this joy actually is, is the joy is because we are no longer burdened by sin. So think back if you were a person who, uh, if you were a person who grew up and you know not in the church and you literally lived a sinful lifestyle you know what that looks like and maybe you have come to that realization like what i'm getting at is is understand and know the pain of sin in your life when you have actually had pain and sin in your life that's what we're trying to get you to feel so think about that time you had pain and sin in your life. Maybe you were a slave to an addiction. You were pulled down. Maybe you were an alcoholic, a drug addict, a sex addict, whatever it was. You felt as though you were being pulled by this. You hated it, but you did it all the same. You just didn't feel like you could get out. You were trapped. That's what we're getting at. When that is the feeling that you have in your life, when that's the feeling in your life, 
okay? What ends up happening is everything feels like a burden. Your life, you, you don't want to get up. Depression overwhelms you, challenges, problems. And then you're like, ugh. And then when you come to Jesus, all of a sudden you feel this wonderful joy. All of these sins, all of these burdens are lifted away from you. All of them are lifted away from you. And you look to that and you go, oh, that finally feels better. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about the fact that in Christ, we have handed over our sin. He has taken off that burden. Another verse says, come to me all who are heavy and overburdened and I will take this off. Okay? That's the command. We are to be full of joy, full of love, full of joy for these things. All right? Now, what I wanted to look at is understanding that. And of course, uh, we read a contradictory scripture, what sounds contradictory on the surface. And so I want to read that. So you want to go over to James chapter 4. And in James chapter 4, you find, uh, you find this verse, James chapter 4, verse 9. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy into gloom. So obviously, I mean, I mean, come on, Jesus trumps James. So obviously James is wrong. We got to have joy, not turn that joy into gloom. I mean, what's going on? What's the difference of this verse? What is, what is he talking about? Well, if you actually, this is where our one verse culture, once again, our one verse culture fails us miserably because you can take this one verse and you're like, oh, well, that means we have to walk around with be somber. We have to be gloomy. We have No, the point is we have to be sober. Okay, this is a phrase that Paul uses and Peter uses. We need to be sober in our life, recognizes the depth. But the entirety of James chapter 4 is actually about people who are not really saved. So you have to start at the beginning. So what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source of the pleasures that wage war in your members? Well, who lives by who lives with their pleasures rather than by the faith and by the spirit? Well, the people who live by the pleasures are the Gentiles. Remember Paul in Ephesians, walk no longer as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Okay, they're seeking out pleasures, worldly pleasures. He says, do, uh, you lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and can obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Okay. Then, of course, it raises another issue. Well, I have asked, I have prayed, and I don't have anything. Well, you ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend it on your pleasures. And then James says in verse 4, You adulteresses do not know that friendship with this world is hostility toward God. Therefore, whoever makes himself a friend of this world makes himself an enemy of God. Okay? This entire chapter is laying out people who are not really saved. And then he goes on, or do you think the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell within us. God zealously wants that spirit to dwell within inside of us. Okay. He gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter turn into mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Okay? 
That is what James is saying. These are people who are not spirit-filled. They're not living the gospel. They're not living in Christ. They might profess on the outward to be Christians. That's pretty much what James chapter, well, James, the entire book is about. It's about living the Christian life, confronting the prejudices, confronting the, uh, confronting the, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, the hypocrisy. Uh, confronting all of those things that, that we say were saved, but were we actually doing it? Remember that uh, in, in James chapter 1, um, he, he talks about being a man, a man who, when you look at the law of liberty and abides by it, not being a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man is the one who's saved, right? That's kind of the point. So in John 17, the ultimate prayer is for us to experience the joy. The reason these guys in James 4 he's telling them to be miserable and mourn and weep is because they're not following the Spirit. This is not a joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. This is not a joy that comes from a person who has given their life to Jesus. This is a joy that comes from those sins, those addictions, those pains we talked about earlier. They give you this temporary buzz and then it fades in your mourning. And then you got to get another fix. You got to do it again. When that is the pattern in the character of our life, that is what causes this issue. And this is where James says, be miserable and mourn and weep. Turn your joy uh, in, into gloom. Well, turn your laughter in the morning and your joy into gloom. He says that so that we will recognize the depth of our sin. Because only when we recognize the depth of our sin do we see the need for the Savior in Jesus who is able to free us from that sin. And when he frees us from that sin, that is when we have that joy becomes manifest in our lives. Thank you for tuning in. Our Walk in Christ podcast is a listener-supported presentation. For more information about how you can help, check out ourwalkinchrist.com forward slash support or our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Tom M. That's T-O-M-M. Digital and paperback books are available on several online bookstores or at our website. Once again, the website is ourwalkinchrist.com.